0: From the Third Coast International Audio Festival and Chicago Public Radio, I'm Gwen Maxey, and this is Resound. Where are you?
1: South <laughs> Lake Yukon. <laughs> 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 On an island where I can see mountains and blue sky. And what's the water like? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very clear, but I would have to say a little cold. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> Not a sketch.
2: And uh, what's your next move?
0: It's sound right in, right in, like like a mermaid. Resound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sounds, sound bites, and tidbits we find all over the world. We're sort of like oral archaeologists, unearthing sound from any site we find. The airwaves, the internet, audio festivals, our own Third Coast competition, you name it, we're there listening. Big Brother meets Great Radio. <laughs>
2: I think I should do it all at once
0: or do you think I should go in this one bit? I don't know. What would you generally do? Jump
3: right
4: in. I'm gonna jump under the void. One. Two. Three.
5: <laughs> oh, I feel scared.
6: You should come in!
0: (laughs) The only time I've been away from a body of water was in college. And I ended up dropping out. No coincidence there. I felt like I was missing a limb. Lake Michigan, that vast, roaring, twinkling ocean of a lake, was so much part of growing up in Chicago, I actually think of it as a character in the play that is my life. A lover maybe, a relative, maybe even my favorite relative. Like a sister, full of solace, comfort, raging power, and peace. Without it, I feel unmoored, in mourning, incomplete. So I try never to stray too far away, despite the sub-zero temperatures, the want for a hill anywhere within 100 miles, and all the other indignities the city has to offer. My anchor is here, where an anchor should be, in the water. Today on ReSound, water, water, everywhere. In Toronto, there's a floating eatery on the edge of Lake Ontario called Captain John's Seafood Restaurant. But at its bow, the boat still bears its original name, Yadron, and on its chimney, the Yugoslav Red Star. For producer Mladen Ovaja, who came to Canada in 1972 from Sarajevo, it's a dream boat, remembered from his childhood. A luxury liner that once sailed as the pride of the Adriatic Sea. Then it seemed huge. Now, it just seems so small.
6: My name is Mladen and here in Toronto, I found a dream boat from my childhood. Its name is Jadran. In my country, former Yugoslavia, now, Bosnia, actually, in Sarajevo, I had been producing radio dramas and documentaries. In Canada, I've been working as a telephone interviewer, a coding clerk, a media librarian. I've been employed and unemployed, a student, depends. And now I'm idle enough to pursue some bizarre things.
7: How's that? Is that okay?
6: Yeah,
8: yeah,
6: he's recording right now. It's Dourade, my friend. He's in Toronto now. We try to sing together. Years ago, we used to work at Radio Sarajevo. A lonely young sailor has nobody, only his darling girl who waits for him far away.
9: So it's the Yadron, and it uh, was used... Uh, That's
6: the name of the sea. Uh, in English you say Adriatic, but in our country they
1: say Yadran. Uh, so they named
10: name the boat after the sea? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, just to let everybody know...
6: If you go, go to Toronto, Toronto Harbor, you can see a white ship is, uh, with uh, a big neon right. sign, Captain uh, John's Seafood. But if you come closer, you can see United the red star the on its chimney. Uh,
10: being one
6: of the cleanest in the state. And on its bow, you can read its steel name.
10: So we're turning right here. We're heading south towards the lake. So here you'll see to the right the water. Uh, you can actually get out to the ocean from the from the Great Lakes. Here you'll notice uh, a big ocean liner called Captain John's. Uh, it was known as the Yadron. It used to uh, cross the uh, Adriatic Sea. And now it's a floating restaurant where you get uh, primarily seafood.
7: Good evening. Welcome aboard. Reservation?
9: No, we're here for the, what is it?
7: Singles uh, singles dance? Straight up. Enjoy your stay. Good evening.
11: For dinner, we don't have a
0: reservation. No problem.
7: Can you have a drink in the lounge first? Then give me a few minutes for your table.
6: floating oh, restaurant? Or you
7: want to wait here? We're just getting some tables Is this the minute. ship
6: I reservation? knew? Uh, no reservation. For two? With the menu, you get a nicely illustrated Captain John's journal. It says, Ivan was born in the Yugoslavian province of Slovenia at a time when few opportunities existed for that nation's young people. So if he wanted to be successful, he'd have to make it somewhere other than his home. I still remember my summer vacation trips to the seacoast with my parents. We would take a narrow gauge train in Sarajevo and travel all night to arrive at dawn to the port of Ploche. Then, throngs of kids, moms, dads and grandparents would rush to the white limestone dock. There, we would all exhausted wait for hours for a boat to take us to Gradac, Zaustilok, Tuchepi, or Makatska. It would be a small ship on a local line, named after the writers we read at school, like Nazor, Njegosh or Petar Zonaric. But Yadran, Yadran was a different story. Yadran was untouchable. Alongside the other big ships, which were named after the ideals of our country. Partisan go, Partizanka. Proletarian go, Proleterka Or Unity, Yedinstvo. Yadran sailed fast and far.
7: Now we're gonna go through the ship and I'm gonna show you some Mr. of Letnick the things that I had done MS In 1975,
6: uh, from the Yugoslav government. He was kind enough to give me a tour uh, of
7: the ship. All six uh, national customs in the banquet room here. Uh, You have all of them uh, Serbian, Macedonian, Croatian, Slovenian, Bosnia, and uh, all the uh, inlay, carving, uh, as you see downstairs and up here, that's all original.
6: On the walls, you can see diplomas and letters of gratitude, pictures of Captain John with dignitaries, Toronto mayors.
7: So, here's Johnny Lombardi, Italian Chin Radio. He started the bikini contest on the boat here. Beautiful girls,
6: successful business
7: Here's Mel uh, Here's mayor of uh, Mississauga, Hazel McCallion.
6: The story of individual entrepreneurship rewarded.
7: Now we're going to the open deck, up to the top level. Oh, the lifeboats are still intact.
6: So he- here is the star on the chimney, but I remember it, wa- it, wa- it was red when I came here, like eight years ago. You know, sometimes they faint. Aha, uh-huh,
7: I see. Like, now we're going to have to repaint it again. Because, you know, from the sun gets a lot of beadings and so on. Yeah, yeah. That's part of a history now. Usamljeni Mladimorna
6: Nigdje nikog nema Samo dragu na daleku
7: Koja mu je vjerna Samo dragu
6: na daleku We were enchanted by the promise of the adventure and long cruise on Yadran. So waiting for a boat to take us to our summer resorts, we would look at MS Yadran as a miracle. And a miracle it was. It would first appear on the horizon as a small smoking chimney. You would hear it siren from afar. It would be in our face, docked right there, in front of us. Its shade would cover the sun. I looked at the huge white ship in know and asked my father to take me on board. It is not our ship, my father would explain. It does not dock at small ports. We are going to. The other one goes from Dubrovnik to Split and further to Rijeka, and then even to Venice, Italy.
3: Donc okay. okay.
6: Bonjour, good afternoon. When you come to the boat, do you explain to these people what the kind of boat is it? Uh,
4: what you... kind of boat I don't know, but I know that the captain bring is bring this boat from uh, Yugoslavia.
0: Salut. Salut. Bonjour. Savez-vous le nom
6: de ce bateau? Captain John. Captain C'est le nom restaurant, le nom bateau. None of the French tourists at lunch. Knew the boat's name. Idran. vous savez None knew what Yadran means. None had visited the Adriatic Sea. la no. mer no. 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 Okay. Merci beaucoup. It's time to leave. Au revoir. Bon What to do? Find a boat that sails somewhere.
12: selling tickets for all these? Uh, just for the boat. boats right here.
9: That's one of our boats leaving, the other two boats are docked beside that. So you can get tickets there? Uh,
5: yeah.
6: Out on the Lake Ontario, I see Adran squeezed between the downtown Toronto skyscrapers and I can't believe how small it is. How something that once was so huge can turn into something so small now? When I started recording Yadra, I asked my cousin Yadranka, who lives in the port of Split, where the ship was built, to send me some information And she wrote back, Dear Mladen and family, your letter both cheered me up and saddened me. It pulled me back to the past times of Sarajevo stories and your unfortunate departure. About MS Yadran, except for a few facts that I'm sending you, there is no big story. It was one of these rare boats with no destiny. The only significant detail is that it crossed the Atlantic Ocean so long ago, although the small rubber boats are doing it now. It never got into shipwrecks. Nothing about it that could make the boat a story. But from what you have written to me, you have a story. Do I? I? don't know.
7: U sami ni mlađim
5: daleku koja mu daleku.
0: The Good Ship Yadrin, produced by Mladen Avadja for Outfront on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation.
2: Okay, ready?
7: The shattered water made a misty din. The waves looked over others coming in. The water thought of doing something to the shore. The ocean thought of doing something to the shore that water never did to land before. That's it. I can't remember anymore.
0: You're listening to ReSound from the Third Coast Festival and Chicago Public Radio. I'm Gwen Maxi. We welcome all missives. SOS, LOL, you send it, we'll read it. All comments, questions, rants, and raves can be sent to ReSound at thirdcoastfestival.org. Our friend, Rob Rosenthal, runs the radio program at the Salt Institute for Documentary Studies in Portland, Maine. And being so close to the ocean, he ends up spending a lot of time out in his kayak, sometimes with his microphone in hand, capturing the local sounds.
12: On a good day, I open the windows in my house and I hear the sound of bell buoys. They mark the channel in the harbor here in Portland, Maine clong 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 even on bad weather days snowy or rainy and drizzly i stand in my backyard and i can listen to the chime of buoys now i live about two miles from the water and at this distance the buoys sound well they sound kind of romantic actually and i think the two are connected buoys and romance it's like waves crashing on rocks or a lighthouse and a foghorn the sound of a bell buoy kind of evokes romance with the sea. Or maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it's just the soft, distant cooing sound of bells at a distance that gets my attention. And that's how we normally hear buoys. They're at a distance. And usually, we just hear one buoy at a time. But as you'll hear on this recording, up close, bell buoy sounds are less than romantic. The coo is more like a clang, a clonk, and a scrape and three buoys at once? Not very charming. In my kayak, I paddled out around Portland Harbor and recorded the three buoys that marked the channel. By recording them up close and then mixing the three together, I break down the barriers of time and distance, the ways that we normally hear buoys. This is heard at once, bell buoys.
0: at once buoy bells by Rob Rosenthal director of the radio program at the Salt Institute for Documentary Studies in Portland Maine Now as it happens one of Rob's former students and coincidentally a former Third Coast assistant is the producer of our next story Callie Carswell went to Newcastle Maine to talk to residents about a very mysterious overnight disappearance
10: I happened to be called by my fire chief you know I got there with a flashlight it was kind of dark still and raining and uh, I was like, wow, I've never seen so much water come down through a place before. So I went back out the next morning to see what happened, and basically Sherman Lake disappeared overnight. It just flowed away. At that point, nothing we could do, but, you know, kind of cry that it was gone, wondering what was going to happen or how it was going to be put back together.
9: He goes out to get the New York Times early in the morning and I was in here making coffee and he walked in and he said look out the window and I impatiently said why and he said you don't live on a lake anymore I think he called me and said the lake is gone and the
10: lake I said, is gone. gone what do you mean it's gone I just couldn't Where'd believe it go? I mean, Sherman Lake was gone
0: and I just stood there in utter utter I think it was total amazement it just just absolutely shocked I think most people
13: it was gone? almost like a whole time period was gone I just thought wow it's wow
0: I mean that's pretty much all you can say when it's gone. That man-made lake
14: has been there 70 years.
15: It was called Sherman Lake, and one could see that it was a more or less a popular place.
14: It was really uh, scenically beautiful, you know, absolutely beautiful. It's, I think at the deepest point it was like 11 or 12 feet, but it was great for bass. Mm-hmm. We had bass and sunfish and perch and, you know, uh, things
13: it's you great could... It a great place to kids because you could always catch a, catch a fish there. A fish. It was easy, cheap recreation. You'll and, see canoes you know, and kayaks a
14: and
8: I know in the lots fall of duck hunting, goose hunting, uh, ice fishing of course. And, so it was uh, a,
15: people
9: an out. easy kind of lake, just a sort of locals kind of place.
15: Uh, and that's the way it was before the dam went out.
13: The dam at Sherman Lake failed on uh, Columbus Day weekend. We
10: had very heavy rain.
13: It was torrential rain. It was a lot, a lot of water more than Most And the of wind was, was just down. unbelievable.
10: And throughout the county you had a lot of uh, washed out roads. It wasn't a very fun week for anybody, really.
14: It was the old roadbed that
12: washed out. The dam was actually the old route one.
10: And it just, you know, all gushed away downriver. And things happened and changed,
15: and that's all there was to it. They couldn't handle the, the power of nature is what happened to it.
13: When I saw it, it was, all, it was all mud flat. Water had just absolutely disappeared. All the people have disappeared. You know, there's no activity out here. Really, none since the breach.
10: You know, you drive by, some days the tide is coming in, and there's a little bit more water in there. Then other days, there's nothing at all.
14: I think a lot of us thought that they were going to fix it. I never dreamed the day that it was breached that it wouldn't be repaired. A lot of us didn't realize what was in the air. And then all the rumbling started.
12: The The issue was whether we should rebuild the dam or not rebuild the dam.
10: There was a small group uh, in the town of Newcastle that got together and expressed their dismay that the dam had blown out.
13: I was a lunatic in the beginning. <laughs> There was Absolutely. the other contingent of people that said, you know, originally it was a marsh. It was never it wasn't a I wasn't a lake.
15: I mean, how can you quarrel with the fact that it's more natural than it was? Isn't more natural better? The letters to the
9: editor were prolific there were articles, in the, articles local, in the local paper, paper were, were abundant, a few Somebody, letters to the editor.
13: We have an interesting population who's not afraid to give their opinion. That's for sure.
14: Someone started batting the ball around it. It mean, it it that it would cost a million dollars to fix it. That some people break. just
9: aren't willing to to pay more taxes. It wasn't until the holidays to, and the potential Walmart that
13: it fell out of the top topic know, in the local our newspaper. So it was, it was the subject a of a lot of debate, a lot of a lot of conversation down. back and forth. I mean, this was the event of the town. It was the front page of the town report.
0: And ultimately, so our final decision
12: was no, we're not going to rebuild the dam. And in fact we would like to uh, complete the restoration there.
10: They figured Mother Nature took back what she wanted and they were going to leave it that way at this point I believe. They said once upon a time people were making dams and making lakes and that was great for recreation but fortunately the Department of Transportation is not in the
8: dam business anymore.
9: Step away for a moment and just imagine if you brought lakefront property that you thought you'd built on one of the most beautiful places you'd ever seen in your life. You have two years on it and it's gone. (laughs) We didn't feel like the luckiest people in the world, I'll tell you that.
14: (laughs) I've lost the fishing. I can't take the kids there anymore.
0: So it's some history lost, and I wonder about what my dad would have been thinking if he was still alive and, and people who had lived here all their lives. Of course, most of the people that grew up here are now gone. This is a new generation around here,
8: so they can adjust to it.
15: Uh, I was never that enthralled with Sherman Lake And uh, the world needs, the coast needs, Maine needs more tidal marshes To me it was, it was sort of an ironic twist to history or something that, that that lake that I looked at for so many years Was once again a tidal marsh And it was like somehow the hand of fate had, had put it back
0: A lake is beautiful, a salt marsh is beautiful, they both have great things to offer. Uh, To me the downfall of the lake is that it was a man-made lake. So I guess, I guess I like to think that, you know, we can flow with the change.
14: We've gone there so many years that, you know, it's just, it'll be a hole this
10: summer. I'll I'll miss it. I'm sure people will get used to it in time, like anything happens, but it is, uh, you know, I think it's a good loss to the town.
0: Like I said, I guess, I mean, it's been six months now, and, and I just kind of look at it and say, oh, it's not so bad. You know, I'll get used to it. You know,
10: over time, things have changed. It does it everywhere. You you know, it's a sign of progress, I guess they call it.
15: You know, you just change your coat or change your shirt or change your hat, continue on because that's what's going to happen.
13: And I still have trouble picturing Sherman Lake in my mind now. It's it's as if it, the vision of that just left as quickly as the marsh began.
0: Runaway Lake was produced by Callie Carswell when she was a student at the Salt Center for Documentary Studies in Portland, Maine.
15: We don't appreciate how much this common, ordinary substance means to us. We're so used to it, we just take it for granted. But it helps grow the food we eat. It provides electricity and steam for power. We drink it. We skate on it. And we swim in it. We make snowballs out of it. No, it makes a person feel very, very grateful for water.
0: So our next story, Mirror, Mirror, isn't totally about water. Okay, so it isn't really about water at all. But there is a submarine in it. And it's all about reflections, and water reflects. So maybe it's a stretch, but it's cool, and we wanted you to hear it. It's by Nina Perry a British sound artist who pays a lot of attention to sound design in her work. She composes most of her music and layers voices and field recordings into dense, cascading sonic wonderments. In fact, I think it's safe to say that this piece is more about the sound than the story. So just sit back and relax. Here's Mirror Mirror.
5: Mirror, mirror
4: on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? What do I see? A middle aged, mid 50s lady with a lot of white hair and not having had time to combat, so it looks terrible this morning. <laughs> And anyhow it's uncomfortable.
2: I can see taste buds on my tongue. It's quite funny really. The dead smile.
5: I think sometimes like your eyes can reflect how you feel. I don't know how but it's just like like I'm happy or something.
3: It's like you're always drawn to looking at somebody's eyes and then somebody's teeth as well. I really like light and bright things and mirrors are always light and bright really. So I'm always drawn to them. It's a white and a bright and a light thing.
8: Yes, there's this face looking at me and whenever I look at the face, the eyes are following me. I, I I can't catch that face out. There's no way I can at all move my head or glimpse. I can't look at the image without it looking absolutely back at me and staring me out, so there's no way I can deceive this at all. It's rather like trying to shake off your shadow. You know it's going to be quite impossible, and yet, for some perverse reason, I'm playing with this mirror and I'm just trying to lose it, and of course I can't.
2: When uh, I, like... lift my mouth up, you can see little stretch marks on my chin. And a smile, I can see them. When I lift my eyebrows up, there's loads.
3: Every time I meet someone, I always look at their teeth, of course, because I'm quite interested in that, so. Some people like uh, brightness, and I like brightness, and so I think that's why I look in the mirror, really.
4: Um, I see time passing, I see, uh, The mess in this flat, I see the reflection of lots of painting and artwork that I love. Uh, But I see also order in disorder, the same that I see in myself. There is a lot of order, I can find anything I want, (laughs) even if it looks messy, even if my hairs look wild. And uh, uh, yes, this is what I see.
11: Ears are okay, eyes are regular, eyebrows are fine, uh, nose is all right. Beginning to look its age, grey haired, clean shaven. Not that I could grow a beard anyway. I've tried. It's biggest waste of time going. Uh, got all my own teeth. Dimple. Very important, strong family feature. I look happy. Yes, and I'm not stressed. So I'm happy to stand here and look at me for a while. I'm Commander Jeff Tall, and I'm Director of the Royal Navy Submarine Museum. I was a submariner for uh, 28 years. I had the great privilege of commanding four of them. And I've been at the museum now for about 13 years. Before you left harbour, you made sure your periscope was perfect. And the top eyeball, If you can think of it as two eyeballs, you know, one at the top and one at the bottom, it was always cleaned with gin. Because gin, it polishes the, you know, that top face to perfection. Periscope was a big line to the lady and she loved her gin. Ah! Here we go, through the hatch. Can you smell it? I I just love it. I have to come down here for my daily fix. It reminds me so much of Um, old-fashioned submarine. It's a mixture of diesel, stale sweat, tinge of cabbage, can you you detect that? (laughs) Or is it Brussels sprout? I can't quite tell the difference. Water was such a precious commodity that uh, you didn't wash. The standard Submariner's bath was to put an inch of water in a washing bowl and in that he would clean his teeth. With that residue, he'd wash his face, just to you know, possibly dab his armpits, and then with what is left, uh, he'd wash one sock, and then they say repeat the process. So he only had to go on patrol with three socks. But you're now inside what is fundamentally a metal cigar, you know, and amongst all this mash of machinery outside, there's an inch of steel. So we're encased and at the front you can see torpedo tubes and behind you, you've got a torpedo. It's delivering that torpedo, which is the submarine's job. So how did you do it? The main way of doing it, and particularly until the 50s, was through the periscope. Periscope uses beams of light reflected from the target. The light from that image is captured and the passage of that light is actually Z-shaped. So it comes in the top, comes through a series of lenses, and then is reflected at the bottom back to you. You probably imagine you're staring straight ahead. You're not. You're actually looking 30 feet in the air. Of course, in the submarine, you're below the waves. So this this is a bit of you above the waves. It's as though your eyes were up there that's your only connection with the surface and what's going on above it.
4: Issa. I'm a freelance curator and writer and producer of uh, contemporary artwork from the Arab world and Iran. I discovered totally by chance uh, Munir's work one day in the storage room of the Tehran Museum of Contemporary Art. I was really stunned by the beauty of the work, and some of the mirror works were full mirror, and some others were only chalk with some very minimalist mirror works in it. In 1979, they confiscated all of Monir's uh, houses, factories, and work. So there are very few work of hers that are left of before 79, 1979, when the year of the revolution in Iran, the Islamic Revolution. So. Uh, These are one of the few ones that survived it. It's, let's say, a large uh, square of 140 by 140 centimeters. It's made of Islamic geometrical design, you know. They have this fantastic composition and uh, intricate uh, uh, geometrics that uh, that was a lot used in, in the Middle East. So variable, you know, in the morning when I come, I see the sun reflected in all the direction of the room. I find it a completely different. Way. I mean, the room looks different because I have all these squares of sun, sun in, in the parts of the room that never receive sun. Sun, sun, sun. sun. All of these mosaic mirrors, like kaleidoscopic montage of mirrors in three dimensional The sort of perfect shape of a square, like kaleidoscopic sun, sun, and how sun. squares go into square, and how it develops into hexagons, sun, or pyramids. Like kaleidoscopic like montage of mirrors in three dimensions. And then she incorporates uh, her own uh, work. She does reverse glass painting. It's just so, so, so. splash of the chikasa in, in small pieces. Splash the in small pieces. Splash in small pieces. It's like a, a, a Pollock type of work and uh, colouring. It's a sort of like American technique applied to very old traditional Iranian architecture and craftsmanship. So it is a very strange uh, uh, artwork that is variable uh, a bit moody like the mood of a person this work also reflects that personality i think
15: welcome to the mirror maze
11: at the london dungeon
15: it's time to face your fears
5: as you enter the labyrinth of the lost go on
8: Get lost. I'm Adrian Fisher and I've been designing mazes for over 30 years. Quite a few of these are mirror mazes. The whole game of creating any maze, whether it's a mirror maze or any other kind of maze, is to introduce deception. And misdirection and misleading. And it works with people getting disorientated in hedge mazes or in a cornfield in a corn maze. But in terms of total deception, of all the senses, all at once, the mirror maze is one of the finest ways of helping people get very, very lost. People find mirror maze utterly fascinating. When they actually come into a mirror maze, they move forward with some trepidation. They are not quite sure if it's real. They wonder if they're going to bang their noses or not. (laughs) (laughs) So they start by moving a bit gingerly and then with confidence they realise it's just huge fun and they forget their inhibitions. And it's actually lovely, within about a minute or two, um, they're moving with a bit more confidence, but still carefully, um, and enjoying the various views. And the great thing is you never know... Um, what's going to happen, and you never know who you're going to meet. Essentially, we're standing in what we call a mirror cell. This is actually um, a triangular-shaped chamber, and it has two of the three sides happen to be mirrors, and one side is the arch we've entered by. And we have arches that reach over our head in all directions. We've got two cells here, so we can see about... Twelve reflections, reflections, reflections. It is a maze in the sense there is a path to be followed. There are sometimes dead ends, but most of the deceptions and the dead ends are actually impossible journeys through a sheet of glass.
3: It's very confusing. It's very, very confusing. You couldn't see whether there was with the mirror there or not. So you kind yeah. of walked into it a bit. Everyone's <laughs> walking around like that, like zombies. You
5: said don't touch that. <laughs> um. My name's Jasmine. Um. I'm ten and a half years old. My name's Joe. I'm ten years old, and I'm from
2: Manchester. When you look into a mirror, you don't just see yourself. Sometimes people can see
5: the future, and maybe the feelings, like inside the head, and all the ideas, maybe. Mm and maybe it all fits together to what you want to be when you're older. If you've got a good imagination, or at least a bit of imagination.
2: And sometimes you, like, imagine, and you can see a different, whole different room that isn't yours
5: behind you, and whole different people. If you just look into the mirror and imagine that you wanted to be, like, a singer, <laughs> you could just, like, sing and see how you look in the mirror. And if you think it suits, and so that'll be what's going to be in the future then. I would like a background of like maybe on a stage or something with lights and everything because that's what singers sing and stuff. Mirrors are magic, mirrors are wonderful. Sometimes like I put like music in radio or something and then I play it and I put it down the log and then I just start singing. And you know, see if I'm really good for it, and I think I am. <laughs> I've never really sung in a real voice in front of anybody, but I will, cos cause cause in school, nearly, I think it's nearly every year, we have kind of, like, a, a big talent show where you, like, you can sing or show off your talent, so I might be singing... And another. Jasmine hasn't been in one yet, have you? No. <laughs> Mirrors a magic. Mirrors a wonderful. You can see yourself
3: <laughs> in a mirror. Is there any problems with your teeth? No, not, not that I can even think of. OK. I hope not. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fine. My name's Gillian Dello and I'm a dentist and I've worked in my practice here in St Alden's for 18 years now. All right, up left, eight, sound On the eight, I think. Mean. Does it say where, Vanessa? Is it just in the, the clusel? That's still fine, but keep it as a watch. That seven's okay, six. This is a problem when the mirror gets steamed up. Five, three. Two. It's quite difficult at the start to um to drill into somebody's tooth looking in the mirror at the same time because you're you're not looking straight at the tooth. you're looking at the mirror image, so, I mean, I suppose it's only the same as when people look in the mirror to brush their teeth, or men often say when they're shaving. I think, I think the boys in our class almost find it easier getting used to using a mirror because they were so used to doing something quite technical in shaving, looking in a mirror. But for us girls, um, it, it was quite difficult to to get used to it. But of course, you don't start on patients; you start on on models that slot into into a sort of. A head shape and then gradually you build up cheeks and a tongue and so on so that uh, you're not you're definitely not using your mirror for the first time on a real live patient when we were first um working on patients of course you you so used using these models and they're called phantom heads and of course they don't have saliva and nor do they have any breath so when you first put your mirror into a patient's mouth and they breathe, it steams up. And you think, oh, please stop doing that, because no matter you put it in, and then they'll breathe again, and it will steam up. So you quite quickly learn to, if you wipe the mirror on the inside of the person's cheek, it gets a film of saliva, and then it doesn't steam up quite so easily. Thank you.
8: So all the expectations of an ordinary mirror, which is, you know, in a bathroom, you're cleaning your teeth and you see a face, one mirror. All those experiences really don't count for anything in a mirror maze where all the mirrors are at different angles and you can often see reflections of the back of your own head a long way away. But there's there's also this whole hidden world, the, the fact that it's inside out, the fact that it's an impossible space and yet your eyes tell you it can't be. It can't be, but it, but it obviously is. And then your brain says, no, of course it can't be, because it's a reflection. But your, your, your eye just cannot shake that illusion away. And that's the fun of all illusions, where your eyes tell you one thing and your brain tries to rationalise and tries to tell you it can't be possible. So often the eye wins, which is great fun, and you act as if your eyes were telling the truth. There are quite a number of classic set pieces in a in a mirror maze. One of them is, is to put two parallel mirrors um, facing each other. And so you do get this impression of an infinite knife uh, and a 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 uh, line. it can either be absolutely parallel intentionally, and so you can just swing an arm forward and dozens of people to your left and to your right. Or you can swing your leg forward and back and it. <laughs> It's like a line of chorus, girls dancing at once. So that's quite fun. You can sometimes tilt them very slightly and then you'll, you'll feel you're in a curved space. One very interesting effect is in the Longleap Mirror Maze, which has two different episodes. One is the, the, um, the, the wild forest and the second is the ruined chapel. And if you're standing in the forest, it would seem you're 90% surrounded by trees and forest. You only have to step one step through into the chapel and turn back. And now it looks like 90% of it is surrounded by chapel and the trees have almost completely disappeared. And so some of the imaginary spaces immediately to your left that had been forest have now become a chapel. Nothing's moved except you, but the illusion is complete.
5: It's been kind a bit because you used to look a bit more nicer when I was little. I don't know why I think it happened to everyone because, like, when you're little, you look very cute and everything, but when you get older, you don't look so much cute anymore. I've got bigger and I've got smarter and um, I've got
2: maturer as well. The face that I've got now is like a child's face, but when I grow older, it won't be like this.
5: It would have changed. I know, yeah, you'll probably start growing, like, a bit. big. <laughs> yeah. When I'm really old, I'll probably have to put loads of makeup on because I don't show all my wrinkles and everything. I don't think I'll keep the hair long. I don't know I might when I'm old because sometimes it falls out when you get older. And... I'll just be more kind and helpful when I get older. If you was all nasty and that, then you you would kind of show it that you're nasty in your face. Because if you frown, I think it gives you wrinkles if you frown for too long. And I think that's what, like, nasty people do, frown most of the time.
3: Definitely mirrors in dentistry. The immediate thought is just the dentist using the mirror, but actually patients always look in the mirror. I really do notice when I hand people the mirror that they do change their appearance a little bit because they pose. They'll, um, they'll suddenly turn their head, just cock their head to one side maybe, or just move in a way that wasn't how they were before I handed them the mirror. And they'll often uh, they'll often touch their hair, especially the women, actually. And they really do take on a different persona than the one that I just looked at previously.
5: I do loads of weird faces, smiling and stuff. Sometimes I do this really weird thing, I'm like, I don't think I can do it, and I don't know. But, sometimes I just like. Smile and see how look, really. But sometimes I like stay there for ages, just looking like that. And That's hard to do sometimes, really.
11: The greatest use of the mirror in submarines, because never shaved. Uh, it's a great stress breaker. I learnt that trick from uh, Admiral Woodward in the South Atlantic. He said, the one thing you've got to watch. Jeff, is your stress level. Stress has all sorts of strange effects, and one of them is to make you very single-minded and very narrow in, in your vision and your thought processes. I mean, that's a classic sign of post-combat stress, in fact. And a similar thing can happen to a submarine commanding officer in, in tense situations. He, he forgets what's going on around him almost. The best way to break it, which I did on a regular basis, was to go and look in the mirror and that face staring back at you broke that um, intense uh, self-concentration. The reality time was when you looked in the mirror and you suddenly realised that there you are, five foot six, missing your family. It was reflective in more ways than one. You know in Iran uh, there is
4: a Close link between mirrors, reflection, Sufism. Iranian, you know, is before being an Islamic country, it's also an old tradition of uh, Zoroastrian country. It's a religion that is more than 2,500 years old, and uh, where till now, even if the regimes tried to take it out, it never worked. It's still, that is what. And in the Zoroastrian tradition, there are three sayings that you always have Pandarini, Guftarini, and It means you have to think nicely, you have to say nice things, and you have to act nicely, do good things. So that you know if, if you say something bad also it reflects on you. It means you're, you know, you you're not good. It's exactly what you find in the mirror is that what you, you see in others is a reflection of yourself.
3: So I'm looking in the mirror now, and one thing that I have that other people don't have is a a scar on my lip because I've got a a cleft lip and so every time I look in the mirror that's absolutely the first thing that I see and my friends tell me it's absolutely not what they see but it is definitely what I see and I wish I didn't have that and I look at my teeth too and wish that my teeth looked as nice as as I can make other people's teeth look anyway I've bleached them recently so they look a bit whiter than they were and that looks good and Oh, and The other thing I notice is that I have got big green eyes and most people describing me would describe my eyes because um, they're probably my best feature, my eyes. And I've got brown hair and what else can I see? I've got quite a round face and now I've got lines under my eyes as well that I didn't used to have and lines on my um, forehead that I didn't used to have so I wish I didn't have those anymore. But anyway, I'm not going to get Botox on that. I suppose I think it's okay what I look at, but uh, I wish I didn't have that scar on my lip.
4: The idea of time is not in in the mirror. The mirror is really the moment, the immediate moment. Uh, And how you face it, how you deal with it and with yourself is is something that uh, one has constantly to think of.
5: Is kind of like the hero sometimes. Because if there's like someone master and they look into the mirror and they actually see what they're like and what they do, then maybe they'll stop it because they've just actually found out how it is and how other people feel about it.
2: There's a lot of bad people and if you see a bad person you look at them and you think,
5: I do not want to be like that person. It's like everyone's a mirror, really, because, say, like, doctors and stuff, they will reflect what will happen. They'll kind of be reflecting, like, what could happen to you if if you don't do something about it.
8: Well, there we are, you see, so often we use the word reflection as a metaphor, don't we? You know, that reflects the way I think, or that's a reflection of my character. The metaphor of the mirror is so much part of our culture that we sometimes don't even realise we're using it. And, uh, of course, it is the ultimate feedback.
4: There are days you don't want to see the mirror because, you know, your hair and your face and, you, you, you know, you, you start letting go sometimes. But if you have a re- mirror reminding you, you know, how you look and how you're improving or deteriorating, it's sort of, it's a dialogue between you and yourself. And, and uh, this type of dialogue, I think, are, are important.
8: The one time we see our faces frequently is looking in a mirror. So, our own image of ourselves is actually quite different to everyone else's image. Our own image is that of the face back to front. Everybody else in the world recognizes us the right way around. And each one of us carries that in our daily lives. So, every single person you look at thinks of themselves back to front. And yet, we look at every other person we meet and they look the right way around.
2: When people say to you, you're dirty, your face is dirty, have a shower,
5: and you look in the mirror, you can never see the dirt on your own skin. You can never actually see yourself in real life. You'll never be able to see what you really look like, even in the mirror. It's like what your mum say,
2: people say like you're beautiful, but not necessarily not. But your mum sees you through different eyes.
0: Mirror Mirror was devised and produced by Nina Perry. It was a Falling Tree production, first broadcast on BBC Radio 4.
15: Two colorless, tasteless, odorless, invisible gases combined in just exactly the right way to give us this wonderful, life giving liquid.
1: ReSound is a production of Chicago Public Radio and the Third Coast International Audio Festival. The program is hosted by Gwen Maxi, produced by Delaney Hall, and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. Our production intern is Katie Mingle, and our festival intern is Ben Winter. Thanks to Megan Perry for the amazing recording of Swimming in Yukon that you heard at the beginning of the show. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear dozens of outstanding documentaries from around the world, and subscribe to our podcast. Lead support for the Third Coast Festival is provided by the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, with additional funding from the National Endowment for the Arts, American Airlines, and Chicago's Navy Pier. The Third Coast Festival is also supported by Argo Tea, on the web at argot.com. Music for ReSound is provided by Reckless Records in Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. ReSound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.